Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. I want to talk to you today about something that's being pressed into all of our lives by both the public and the private sector. So let's get to it. As we speak right now, uh, there is a hearing going on on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. The Judiciary Committee is hearing testimony about a new bill that uh, has the potential to absolutely change our lives. It's called the Electronic Communications Privacy Act, and it would allow government to read your emails, look at your Facebook, look at your Twitter, uh, get right down into your computer almost to understand Uh, whether you are involved in anything terrorist-oriented or criminal-oriented, criminally-oriented. Let's talk about how that came about. You know, it's really fascinating in this country that we began with a revolution that was largely, or at least, let's say, uh, 50% about privacy issues. You may remember that British soldiers were being quartered in the houses and the homes of colonists and uh, the question of whether colonists could have guns. Now, that's a separate, you know, a Second Amendment issue from what I'm talking about, but just the question of whether they could keep them in their homes. Again, it was a privacy issue, whether they could have papers that government uh, could not, was banned from searching, et cetera, et cetera. All of these privacy issues, that was a lot of what the founding fathers were upset about. In fact, that's why they put into the U.S. Constitution that uh, a citizen shall be free, shall be protected from unreasonable searches and seizures. They didn't use the phrase right to privacy. It wasn't language they would have used in the day. But their point was, and they specifically mentioned papers and personal property and invasion of their home, etc. So there's no question that our American Revolution was in part fought Uh, to get government out of the individual's life, intruding into the individual's life, stepping into his home, quartering soldiers, reading his papers, knowing his private business. And even though I disagree with that decision, uh, uh, this next decision, uh, as late as 1973 with the Roe v. Wade decision, which is, of course, the famous abortion decision that legalized abortion in all 50 states, um, the, even though I disagree with that decision, the underlying judicial doctrine was a right to privacy. Uh, the Supreme Court so believed in a right to an individual's privacy that it even extended it to the child growing inside the body of a pregnant woman. Now, Let's debate that another time. For right now, all I want to reference is that as late as 1973, privacy was held in such high regard that the Supreme Court literally made it the basis of its Roe v. Wade decision and extended it to what was going on inside of the body of a pregnant woman. That's that's how highly regarded this doctrine was. Today, we are in a completely different situation. And I I have to say, before I go any further, that I am absolutely stunned uh, that neither the left nor the right has really championed this issue. Neither is coming to the party. Neither is stepping up to defend privacy. It tends to be uh, private organizations, um, organizations that are oriented towards this issue, this public policy issue of privacy, that are paying any attention to it, that are discussing it at all. Uh, But it is a major, major issue. And I want to say, too, even though I'll sound a little Orwellian in saying it this way, that studies have shown that we become desensitized to this privacy issue 
issue, the more we're online, uh, the more we use Facebook. Uh, there's a specific study I was just reading the other day that, that indicates that in the first two or three years of a person using Facebook, they're very cautious about uh, that what they say and, and what they expose of themselves, so to speak. Um, but after some years, they get comfortable, they stop paying attention to it, and they just don't care anymore. And that's the desensitizing that's happening culture-wide. Now, now, where is this coming from? Where is this pressure uh, coming from? Well, first of all, there's no question about the fact that it's coming from government. And on this score, I want to say that both Democratic and Republican administrations are at fault. This is, this is a bipartisan blame issue. Um, and I think it's going to have to be addressed by people who are working across party lines on the issue of privacy. As I sit here right now, uh, there is a hearing going on in Capitol Hill, as I said earlier. Uh, the Judiciary Committee is hearing testimony in which our government is arguing that the only thing required uh, for the U.S. government to have legal access to your emails that are more than 180 days old, the only thing required is that one prosecutor, one U.S. prosecutor, sign a permission form, sign the release, so to speak, sign the warrant. So everything that you've written, everything you've done online in terms of your emails, and of course this, this includes uh, Facebook and Twitter as well, those are relatively public, so it's a slightly different issue. Um, but every, anything you've written uh, prior to six months ago, uh, if this bill should pass, can be read at any time by the U.S. government with merely the signature of one U.S. prosecutor. Of course, there are thousands and thousands of those. So uh, you, you have a serious uh, civil liberties issue here. Believe it or not, Google is actually on the Hill. Google, I'll talk about in a minute, not exactly a guardian of privacy in many of its actions, but uh, the Google public policy rep uh, is on the Hill arguing for uh, more extensive protection, arguing that emails ought not to be read on that basis. So, so that's being heard as we sit here now. Uh, th there are many, many other acts, many, many other provisions uh, being argued by the Justice Department. The Justice Department wants to have access to phone records and have access to, um, again, your emails. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty astonishing. In fact, there's, a, there's a, a couple of cases and a couple of actions on the part of the Justice Department that make the case that you don't even own your own image. Uh, that your image on a video is not something that you own or should have rights to or should have any protections over uh, that image being used. It's a pretty serious intrusion. I want you, I want you to remember again, uh, we're recording this in 2013. That means just 40 years ago, the U.S. Supreme Court so upheld privacy that it extended it to an unborn child in a pregnant woman's uh, interior. And, and now um, it's, this has been so discarded uh, that it is possible for you to write an email to your mother uh, for six months to go by for that email to be accessible by the government. And by the way, that's without any nece necessarily any criminal activity on your part, without any proof, uh, without any grand jury having any evidence presented to it, or, or even a federal judge, merely a prosecutor. So this is a huge shift in the law. And, and the second force, the second uh, energy center for this intrusion of privacy uh, is the private sector. You have to realize that information about you uh, is sellable. 
It's something that a Google or another information gathering organization can use uh, to to uh, to market to you. They could they there are many organizations that gather this information, package it. They draw from your credit card bill. They draw from your uh, grocery store purchases. They draw from your activity online, and they put together kind of a profile of you. And of course, you help them by filling out Facebook forms and buying things online, Amazon purchases, and so on. And before long, they pretty much figure out how to market to you what you're interested in, that you play racquetball, you're about extreme sports, or you're conservative, or you're liberal, or you're, you know, you're religious, or you're preoccupied with the rapture, or whatever the thing is, and they'll market to you accordingly, sell that information. Well, this is information that used to be protected. This is information that nobody originally could, um, could access without your permission. And so there are, there are many things that are beginning to feed this from the private sector. Uh, when you make a purchase at the grocery store, uh, unless you're just buying your groceries at a mom and pop grocery store, the information about your purchase actually is gathered somewhere further upline, either from your credit card bill or actually from uh, the computerized cash register that you're using. Uh, it's, it's pretty astonishing. And, and all of that is being put together, again, to market to you. Add to that things like Google Glass. There's a whole movement connected to these uh, new sort of uh, online glasses that people are starting to wear. And, and the, um, the entire issue of Google Glass allows for there to be uh, data bursts and uh, data uploads from where you are and, um, and what you're doing and what you're seeing. Suddenly, the way you turn your head left, right, right overseas in the States uh, can actually be recorded and gathered uh, by Google through these glasses that have the special Google, gla- Google Glass in them. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty astonishing. And, and, I, and I, I know I'm going to sound alarmist today to a lot of people, uh, but one of the articles that got a lot of attention uh, when I tweeted it this last week, it was already getting attention for other reasons, but in all of the years that I have been tweeting, all the years that I've been using Facebook or I've been writing blogs, nothing has gotten attention like my um, tweeting of an article in Forbes about Homeland Security amassing astonishing amounts of ammunition and specialty vehicles to be used domestically on the citizens of the United States. Uh, it, it's, it's unbelievable. I'm, I'm telling you just in my own little experience, many thousands of times the response to anything else I've ever done. And remember, I've written books that were sort of played roles in presidential elections and so on. But this one issue of the possibility that our government is amassing weaponry to use on the citizenry um, in, in, in terms of my Twitter was many, many, many thousands of times beyond uh, anything that I've ever written or done before. In, in my own social media. So, so what's going on here? I think the American citizens have got a sense that their government is intrusive. It doesn't matter whether it's George W. Bush or Barack Obama. Both are urging paths. Both are urging government actions, laws, restructuring of the laws uh, that allow for greater intrusion into the lives of individuals. Both want, have wanted access to phone records, emails, your private information. And I think I've established enough credibility for those of you who listen to this podcast regularly for you to know that I don't have an agenda to bash President Obama. I'm not uh, radically angry at him. I'm right of center politically, disagree with him on a lot of things, but I don't spend a lot of time yelling and screaming and accusing him. Uh, But I will say 
that as angry as the left was with George W. Bush, Barack Obama has actually taken incursions and invasions of individual privacy further in terms of what his Justice Department is arguing for and what he has defended publicly. And I have to say, I didn't hear what I wanted to hear from the right during the Bush administration, and I'm not hearing what I want to hear from the left during the Obama administration on this issue of privacy. There ought to be an across-the-line, broad-based coalition and action pushing back on our government. These are fundamental American issues. So, so be aware. It doesn't. You don't have to be a conspiracy theorist. You don't have to believe that Barack Obama is the Antichrist or George W. Bush is the Antichrist. Or, or you don't even have to believe in a global conspiracy. You simply have to believe, as I do, that our laws are being eroded, that uh, private businesses, uh, private corporations are being given access to information for sales purposes in the same way that government's being given access to information for supposedly security reasons and criminal prosecution reasons that our founding fathers on their scale and their non-technological age would have seen as absolute tyranny. Check this out online. Support some of the organizations that are fighting back. Be aware of what's happening around you. Every purchase, every online activity, some of the devices that you're buying, etc., some of the apps that you use. And let's begin to restore a bit of the sanity in this area, uh, in the area of privacy. And I want to say again, just to be very careful, I'm pro-life. Everybody who listens to me or knows me knows that. But just 40 years ago, the right to privacy, again, words that don't appear in the Constitution, but is nevertheless a, uh, the, the phrase is nevertheless a, symbolic of a legal doctrine we hold dear. This was so esteemed by the Supreme Court, became the basis of one of the biggest sort of epic decisions the Supreme Court ever made. And now we don't even hear a whimper from either party. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times best-selling author, a popular speaker, a frequent faith and culture commentator on CNN, Fox, and Huffington Post. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Faith of Barack Obama, The Search for God in Guinness, and Lincoln's Battle with God. You can learn more about Stephen at mansfieldgroup.com and connect with him on Facebook and on Twitter under the name Mansfield Writes. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is produced by Isaac Darnell, who also wrote, performed, and produced the Rockin' and Rollin' podcast theme song. This is a Chartwell Literary Group production. 